Hello! We've made it to the third episode and let me tell you this one really pissed me off but I just saw something on Facebook. This has nothing to do with the story that I'm about to tell you but this article about Casey Anthony. Everybody knows who she is right? Okay well if you don't know she murdered her toddler did not get charged she got acquitted of all charges anyway she had said this is her actual words in an interview from a couple years ago because the article that i read said that she was thinking about having another child but this article before had said if i'm blessed enough to have another child if i'd be dumb enough to bring another kid into this world knowing that there'd be the potential that some little snot-nosed kid would say something mean to my kid i don't think i could live with that you couldn't live with another kid being a child being mean to your kid but you can live with yourself with murdering your own baby mm -hmm. okay um, yeah okay well that's really all i have to say about that i just want to let you know and make sure you know that the last episode that we did on karen slover it was based around mount zion like her in-laws the ones that killed her lived on cruise road i'm not going to say the address because that's i just feel like they don't live there anymore obviously because they're in prison but their car lot though was around the 1400 block of 121 so like around the new convention center that they had built it was over there it's all paved over now so you can't tell that that's what it was before um this week's story is also centered around mount zion as well i really try to put a lot more details into this one instead of just assuming it's already known because i just figured you guys know and so then the story doesn't really add up or sound that great if you have no idea and you're not familiar with it already when i went back and listened to it i realized that but it's all right so i poured over this one in the whole 94 page trial scripts like on top of the regular research that i already do so let's get it going all right april 27th 2012 it's one o'clock in the morning three long creek firefighters are dispatched to a mount zion home a man was outside on the sidewalk when they arrived and he seemed super calm and not in a panic at all. He asked the firemen how many people did they think were coming because he was concerned about his kids being woke up and his cats being let outside and running away. Do you know who I'm talking about? 39 year old Chad Cutler. His wife was Lisa Cutler a Spanish teacher at Eisenhower High School. They were married for about 15 years and had two kids together. When they, the firefighters from Long Creek came inside, they had to walk through their bedroom to get to the bathroom because it was, you know, master bath attached. And Lisa was laying on the floor, already being given CPR by Mount Zion firefighters, but it was no use, she was already dead. Nonetheless, they persisted in trying to resuscitate her and she was taken to the hospital where officially pronounced deceased. The doctors noted that she was heavily bruised, like all over her body. There was just bruising. Her neck and jaw were very stiff. Rigor mortis had already set in. Nurses, doctors, and other hospital staff all said that the husband was 
very chill, not showing much emotion. He seemed super put together, like this tragic event wasn't even happening and he was just in and out of it. And everybody says people mourn differently, you're in shock, you don't really believe what's going on. If my spouse was dead, I don't think I'd be able to keep it together like that. I just, there's no way. So here's the stories, here's Chad's recollection of the story of what had happened that night. He said that Lisa put their 11-year-old son and 8-year-old daughter to bed, and then they both headed to bed themselves at around like 10 o'clock at night. Chad was reading in bed, and his wife complained that her back was hurting her, so he recommended to her that she take a hot bath, so she did. He ended up falling asleep while reading, but woke up around right before one o'clock to go pee. And that's when he noticed that his wife was still in the tub. When he walked in the bathroom, he noticed that she was under the water and not moving or responding at all. And her skin appeared to be bluish. He pulled the plug from the tub, lifted her out and laid her on the floor and then started CPR. After a few minutes of that, it wasn't working and he called 911. Then he ended up changing his clothes because they were wet and he went outside to wait for emergency services to show up and he didn't want it to be cold, so that's why he changed his clothes, he said. He claims that the medication that she took for her anxiety and mood disorders must have knocked her out and she slipped underwater. His defense would also use that in the trial or that she had a seizure from the medication, fell back and drowned, or that it was caused from a withdrawal of those medications that she didn't take enough, so she was like withdrawing from them. I don't, I've never heard of people, I mean, I guess, yeah, withdrawing, but when I think of withdrawal, I'm thinking of, like, heroin and stuff, so I don't know if that has the same effect as that type of stuff, just because it was, like, medication for, like, bipolar and anxiety and stuff like that. He also brought it up to anyone that would listen that maybe she had committed suicide because of the circumstances that they were in, and that was that she was worried a lot about what the future had in store for them and their family. Her teacher's salary was only about 44 grand a year and Chad had lost his job in February at ADM due to a massive layoff. Their house was already for sale and their mortgage payment hadn't been made from three, one, three months. I, their mortgage was over $3,000. $3,120 a month. That's how much like my whole, my, all the bills are for me and my family for a whole month. So just that for your mortgage and you're only making 44 grand a year. Yeah, I'd be a little worried too. Uh, the crime scene investigators that were sent to the home, checked everything out, did a thorough search of the home. They found a purse inside the closet with a receipt for $1,600 paid to retain a lawyer for Lisa and dissolution of marriage papers. They also found a recent application for life insurance. And so let's talk about what was brought up in trial. Lisa had an abrasion on her forehead, like the top of her head area forehead, five total injuries on her head, bruises and scrapes all over her body, male DNA under her fingernails. Their actual bathtub was brought into the courtroom and a mannequin was placed inside to create this, to recreate the scene for the judge and the jury just to show how much 
and how gruesome and scary this was, stickers were placed on the mannequin to depict the extensive injuries to Lisa's. Forensic pathologist Amanda Humans was brought in to testify at the trial whether or not she believed that Lisa's death was, in her professional opinion, an accident or an act of homicide. A forensic pathologist, if you don't know, is someone who determines the cause of death often, often, <laughs> often, what? Okay, often in a violent situation. Scott Denton also agrees with what Amanda had said and that she thought that Lisa did die from a drowning, but her hands and feet were not wrinkly enough for that to be just because of the bruising on her forehead, elbows, arm, hips, and ankles. They're super fresh and most likely occurred from blunt force trauma and trying, fighting, and flailing to get her head above the water, not from a seizure like the defense was claiming. With all of the bruising and... Okay, so since that's... No. Since that can all be put on him and determined that it was not an accident, most likely, let's move on to the shit that got me mad. The evil, sneaky, shady things Chad secretly had going on. February 2012, so this is two months before Lisa had gotten murdered, she had gotten a restraining order against her husband. She was telling her therapist that he was both verbically, <laughs> what is my problem? Verbically? No. He was both verbally and in some instances physically aggressive. His temper was uncontrollable and he would have these outbursts where she would get very scared and they were just out of nowhere. She was scared. Is that the baby? Yeah, easily. Time out. Okay, time out over. It's been like two days since I stopped recording whenever the baby started fussing. But I just went back and edited that a little bit and listened to it. And like at the 8 minute and 55 mark, if you, <laughs> I was like, no, no, no. I started laughing hysterically like four times in a row. I just kept listening to it because that was a little bit ridiculous. But also super funny. I'm going to leave that in there. Whatever. So where were we? Chad with his temper outbursts and all that fun stuff. She was telling her therapist that she was terrified that he was going to kill her. The previous November, she had a black eye and she told her therapist that it was from her son because he threw a glow stick at her. And that's what had happened. Now, if you are friends with me on my personal Facebook, I had just recently had a little incident happen where I was at work and this family was outside and the wife had a bruise right in the middle of her neck and the first thing I thought about was the story and husbands killing their wives so of course I'm freaking out like did your husband do that to you did he try to kill you last night with a rope because these bruises were fresh as fuck, like purple and black. So I'm thinking the worst. People are like, oh, it could be sexual. I'm like, okay, oh, I guess, yeah, but I don't know. Anyway, eight days before Lisa's death, an email was made for her. Like, it was her name, Lisa Cutler, eight days before she died. A new email was made for her. And you can bet your ass the courts got a hold of those emails. So let's just break down what was discovered in that, shall we? Mm -hmm. 
and the suspicious ones at least that they had released and that I thought were worth talking about. April 20th, and remember she died on the 27th, so seven days before she died, she had received an email from MetLife Insurance and somebody had emailed Lisa their phone number for her to get in contact with. The next day, Omaha Accidental Death Insurance, um, there were some email exchanges between the two of them um, in the morning. And then at night, there was another email from Choice. Choice? Why can't I say that? Choice? That sounds very odd. Whatever. Choice, quote, insurance at nighttime. The 23rd of April, there was a purchase for some software called Drive Scrubber in the morning. And then another insurance company had contact at nighttime. So that's four life insurance inquiries, five counting the paper one that was found by CSI in the beginning. Her email was accessed on May 3rd after her death by someone, hmm, wonder who that could be, to, as a request to change her password at Allstate. We also have Chad's emails. You want to know what those said too? Hmm, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> February 15th before Lisa had died. There was an email exchange between Chad and a woman named Marcy Engel that says, it was, you know, between the two of them, they were emailing back and forth. And they both had said, it was great seeing you last weekend, blah, blah, blah. Want to meet, they both want to meet up again. April 26th, did the day before Lisa died, they said some more exchanges and they both had said that they were so hot and they had so much fun at their visit and they planned to meet up at Scoville Park next week. April 27th, he emailed her, Marcy, Chad did, and told her that his wife had died last night and that he should probably cancel their visit. Like, <laughs> you think? Um, he really needs a friend, so he wants to keep talking to her, but he has some things he has to attend to, so he'll get a hold of her when everything calms down a little bit. Marcy said that she's sorry, and she would come to the funeral with her own husband. Yikes. But her husband, like, she, she was going to come with her husband because her husband wasn't going to let her just go alone since she had been caught talking to another man. Now, that night, well, not night, about 4.30, Chad emails her back. And this is a direct, like, this is exactly what he said. He said, I would be heartbroken not to see you again. And look at me, single. I'm going to speak from the heart, regardless of the outcome. I never felt about my ex or any other woman the way I feel about you. I can make you happy. Please don't hate me for saying that. I'm lucky to have you as a friend. Look on the bright side. If you have to pack your shit, you can bring all four kids and stay here. Five bedrooms, five bathrooms, and with the secret life insurance Lisa had, I could pay off the house and be debt-free. Not to brag or anything, just saying, you are not trapped. I love you like a friend and then some. You guys, he said this the day he murdered his wife. If that is not enough to tell you that he didn't want her, he wanted her gone so he could do whatever the fuck he wanted to do, which was obviously move this broad in and take over her life. Like, oh, her secret life insurance, I'm just gonna... But did he not think that he was gonna get caught? That's what I'm saying. You have all these emails, all this evidence. 
Like, did you not think you were gonna get caught for doing it? I don't understand what is wrong with these people. Like, if you're gonna murder somebody, I feel like you should just play it cool. Don't let anybody know what's happening and hire somebody to do it for you. So probably somebody a little bit smarter with a little bit more brains. I don't know. That sounded really bad. I'm not gonna murder anybody, so don't hold that against me. I'm just saying. Okay, anyway, May 3rd, Marcy's husband had emailed Chad from her own personal account and was basically telling him to back the fuck off, leave her alone, she's my wife, she don't want nothing to do with you, whatever. He emailed her back. I didn't bother putting it in there because I don't want to hear any more of his fucking garbage mouth, but on May 6th, there was already emails from two different dating sites that he had signed up for. So, obviously, he... Firstly, he didn't give a shit about his wife. Second, he really didn't give a shit that much about Marcy because if he really loved her and he would be heartbroken to not see her again, three days after her husband told him to back off, he was already on dating sites looking for a new woman. So, what a piece. The clothes that he had brought to the funeral home for his wife to be buried in were wrinkled, balled up, hairy, dusty, old, just not very nice. Usually it's the best clothing or nicest that that person has that they own so that, you know, they can just look super nice as the last presentation of what people are going to remember you as at the funeral in the visitation, but nope, he didn't give a shit. That's not what his priorities were. So he's just still not even the tiny bit remorseful or pretending to be caring whatsoever. Right after he left the funeral home from dropping the clothes off, he called the funeral back. The the manager had answered and she was a woman. He had told her that she was very beautiful and that if he needed anything, he would just like to deal with her specifically from here on out. Like, how disgusting. I would be so creeped out. I don't know if this girl, lady, woman thought or knew, had an inkling, anything like that, that he had killed his wife. But even if she didn't, just the fact that her body laid within the walls of that funeral home and this dude was clearly hitting on her, like, too soon, bro. Too soon. He even referred to one of Lisa's neighborhood friends at the funeral as, yeah, they were talking and she was like, do you even know who I am? And he was like, yeah, you're the hot mom. He said that straight to her face. You're the hot mom at his wife's funeral. <laughs> Just the sheer, I don't even, I don't even have the word. I don't know. <sighs> Look, he never even bothered to get his wife a stone for her gravesite. And I don't know why, why wouldn't he do that? With all of the life insurance money he was set to gain from all these new policies that had just came in effect, why he couldn't at least get her a stone so people could actually find the gravesite so her children could go and mourn and visit her He was set to get, I think it was like $1.2 million from her death. And you couldn't get a gravestone? Come on, dude. But the the funeral director, um, he he just wasn't having that shit. 
he wanted the kids and the other family members to have a place to go and visit. So he pulled some strings, he asked for some donations, and then he ended up cutting a personal check to make it happen. So she actually had a nice gravestone memorial. Another incident that had occurred, I think this was October, it's what I read, it said October, but when I looked at his record on Macon County Circuit Clerk, it's, there was a an arrest for November, so I'm not really sure which one it is, but in anyways, October, November, somewhere around that, 2012, police were driving down 51 out towards the mall in Forsyth. They see two kids walking in the median. You know how busy that road is. You see two kids walking in the median. Obviously, something is very wrong. So they stopped and talked to the kids. Turns out Chad Cutler's kids. They had told the cops that Chad had went inside Texas Roadhouse to the bar, I'm assuming. He told the kids to stay in the car. They stayed in there for about 15 minutes before they had ended up going inside to go get their dad. They were like, come on, let's go. I'm bored. I want to go home. He yelled at them, and that's when they started walking. So the cops went inside to go talk to him and see what was up, what was happening. He freaked out, lost his shit, and said, why don't I shoot you with your own guns? Like, just, why isn't he in prison already? Just get him the fuck out of here. But these things take time. I don't know why. I don't know why. Why is there, when it's a clear-cut thing like that, like, he was the only one home. He probably did it. He was asleep in the bed right like one wall was between him and his wife dying so I just highly doubt that somebody else had come in and drown her unless you know innocent until proven guilty that she really it really was an accident but it's it, it wasn't because June 2015 is when the trial happened and it lasted about eight days not about I read eight days the jury had ended with a verdict of guilty and the murder charge with a 45-year sentence. He's eligible for parole August 8, 2058. It's already almost 2020. So 58, 60, that's 40. What? That doesn't even seem right. He's only been in jail for four years. What? This is super fresh. I don't know why this is like 2012. That's really not that long ago, is it? Weird. But yeah, that's it. That's basically the whole story. There's There were so many people who testified on this case. Just a whole bunch of friends who testified it for... I mean, in Lisa's good light of her and how shitty of a person Chad was. If I listed all of them, we would be on here for hours just talking about how he had a drinking problem, how he was mean to her. She told a whole bunch of people that she was getting a divorce and she was scared that he was going to kill her. I think her kids had even mentioned that their dad had said something and they were kind of scared. So he's he's gone. He's locked up. Piece of shit number five. You guys, I looked him up on Facebook. And do you do you know what he looks like? Look it up. Straight douchebag. I can't believe that no one ever had told him that having like no facial hair besides a tiny landing strip on his chin wasn't a great look. Because it's 
it's not it's like as wide as my pinky just like right in the middle of your chin what is what's the point of that like, what is that doing for anybody i don't understand and you know what i realized is that karen slover's ex-husband michael slover jr he has the same exact facial hair in the picture that i posted on midwest mayhem's instagram so ladies and i guess men too if you ever come across a dude who has the landing strip look on his chin do not marry him he's going to fucking kill you just just say no walk away i got things to do i gotta go i'm a lesbian i'm a nun get the hell out of there as fast as you can run and uh another thing chad's cover photo on facebook the clothes that he's wearing in it it's a picture of him and his kids and they're like laying down on their stomachs the clothes that he's wearing in it looks exactly like the outfit that was described that he was wearing or changed into the night that he killed his wife like pretty much exact exact it was described as a red under armor hoodie khaki shorts with red shoes so if you want to go ahead and look that up on facebook too because if he really like <laughs> no he he's he's tried to appeal like on 11 different accounts in the trial to try to say i don't know exactly what the 11 were i didn't write them all down but to say that they weren't right and you know i didn't have a fair trial blah 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 they were all denied, as they should be. They, none of them were even thought about to go off of. Okay, we're done. We did it. Where are we at? Oh, 26 minutes. Yeah. This was like 12 pages long of research that I had written out. So I hoped you... I hoped? Hmm. So I hope you guys... Okay, I'm just not going to even go with that line. Let's just cut all that out. No. It's late, I'm tired, I need a snack. Email me with any feedback that you have or any suggestion on cases that you wanna do at midwestmayhem217 at gmail.com. I've got a couple Halloween-y themed ones coming up since it's officially October. Once this comes out, it'll be October. So that means it's Halloween, guys. The whole month, it's Halloween. And I also made an Instagram account for this podcast, too. So if you like the Facebook page, go and follow the Instagram page as well. Bye!